Welcome to Tech Transforms, sponsored by Dynatrace. I'm Carolyn Ford. Each week, Mark Snell and I talk with top influencers to explore how the U.S. government is harnessing the power of technology to solve complex challenges and improve our lives. Hi, thanks for joining us on Tech Transforms. I'm Carolyn Ford here with Trace Bannon. Hey, Trace, how are you? Hola, I am just right. I love that. Well, today we're doing something a little bit new. So on So What, we like to look at, you know, what's going on in cyber, what's going on in tech, in the government. And we are going to leverage our friends at 505 Podcast, which you are involved in. And we're going to, so so the 505 Podcast is a daily podcast. It's usually like 10 minutes. It's a quick hit of what's going on around the world in tech and specifically cybersecurity, right? Yes, ma'am. So we're going to look at those highlights and dig into them because it's just a quick, it's kind of just headlines. And I want you to unpack some of those headlines. So today, um, and I should say it's it's several reporters globally that contribute to 505 every day, you being mm-hmm. one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and today we are going to talk about election security, the disinformation around it, the CIA's new spy GPT, and the new security planning workbook from uh, CISA. So I want to just dive right in. Let's get started with election security and disinformation um, as we approach the 2024 presidential election. So Hillary Coover, Mm -hmm. one of the hosts of 505, she's based in Washington, D.C. She recently explored how cybersecurity stress tests may help battle misinformation and obviously make the elections more secure. So I want you to talk a little bit more about how that is making the elections more secure. I mean, I think that's a little bit obvious, the stress testing, but how it's helping with disinformation too. Well, so you've, you've got to take a step back and just make sure everybody understands what a stress test is in this case. And so it's it's getting together. It's the voting machine companies, the folks writing the software and cybersecurity experts, and they're getting together and there's, they're running these tests applying stress to the system, seeing different attack vectors, different scenarios where they can try and figure out where are their vulnerabilities because they want to address those vulnerabilities right now. Mm. Why it matters right now is we got to get to, we have to get to a point where we have more transparency and more trust. You've got gaggles of people. I think everybody understands now that Computers are fallible. They're created by humans. They're reading lines of of directions that we've given them. They're only so smart. Even generative AI, it's only so smart, right? So having open discussion about the security measures and the vulnerabilities, saying what you found a year ahead of an election, managing the information to prevent any, any other exploitations, like that is going to start to build some sense of trust, right? Trust takes a lot. (laughs) You can't just say, hello, I'm here. I've got some cool test results. Will you trust me? But we can get that stuff out into the open. And there's a lot of collaboration that needs to happen across multiple external cybersecurity experts. 
can't just be voting machine company A that is running all of their tests and saying, we, we promise you that we have some really, really good test result here. No, no, bring in the experts that are known to industry, you know, those that are have all different kinds of responsibilities and different kinds of talents, and then start to, in a coordinated way, disclose on the vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. So we have to be proactive about it. I couldn't tell you exactly what makes up the different software uh, that's being leveraged for voting. I have some ideas on how I could (laughs) nefariously try to get into it. And I have some ideas on how I think it might work. There are people that focus on that. There are other FFRDCs, uh, even MITRE, that are advising the government on how to uh, address vulnerabilities, how to proactively involve the public in disclosing when there are software vulnerabilities. Um, it's it's more of a common practice in industry, right? We see this vulnerability come up. Well, right. what's the consortium across the voting machine gang, right? It's, so it's, it's important. We want to find the issues, but think about all the things that finding the issues in a somewhat transparent way. We're not going to hand it all to the, the Chinese for, for them to understand all of our vulnerabilities, but we do have to get to a bit more open disclosure. We do need to get it out there. So it helps us get away from misinformation because if without sharing those results, I can today say, you're not cyber secure. Prove to me you're cyber secure. Well, this is the proving out Right. So that is part of tearing down misinformation is simply by providing correct and honest and open information. And importantly, you mentioned it's multiple groups doing this testing. It's not one group. It's not um, bipartisan. It is. It's multiple groups so we can have, like to your point, more trust in what's happening and get ahead of anybody saying anything's rigged. Mm-hmm. So Hillary also talked about AI election disinformation um, and explored whether or not AI can rig the system. I just watched the new Mission Impossible. So <laughs> we need to AI take rig- away your we need to take away your streaming. Um, <laughs> you know, your streaming sources, just saying. No, but but you know, the direction that you're going, I love it because we are we are now at the point where sci-fi is reality. You need to think about that. Sci-fi is reality. Think about um, iRobot from many, many, many years ago. Think about Minority Report. What was that? Two decades ago? Oh, so far, where so you're predicting, ago. I can predict if Carolyn Ford is going to misbehave and therefore I'm going to arrest her before she misbehaves. Yeah. Now, I say that tongue in cheek, but Imagine all the things that I can do with generative AI to help rig an election. I mean, that's, that's just the, the simplest thing, the simplest thing. You've heard the term a script kitty, right? It's that, that 16-year-old who's at home. They've got a computer. They've got all the time in the world. They might be latchkey. They're just out there, and they figure things out, and they figure out, but it takes them a lot of effort. Yeah, it's war games. Yes, it is. It is. Thank you, Matthew Broderick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we just dated ourselves. I want to put that out there, by the way. You might want to just cut that hey, out. Hey, that's of- a classic. Okay. Okay. Sure. Doesn't date us. Okay. I'll <laughs> go with that. I will go with that. <laughs> so one of the things that we have been alerting people to is that generative AI in specific sounds like it's correct. I mean, it, it speaks with credibility because yeah. it is so well logic the sentence structure is beautiful and now with the ability to write these 
absolutely incredible prompts. You can engineer the prompt. I can feed it samples of what Carolyn Ford writes like and sounds like. And then I can say, answer this question as though you're Carolyn Ford. So think about how easy it is to generate negative propaganda. I can take any idea and I can generate vast amounts of text in all kinds of tones, in all kinds from all different kinds of perspectives, and I can make them pretty ideal for internet era propaganda. I mean, that's that's I think the first biggest one. And then let's disseminate that. Let's throw that into not just a blog post. Let's put that on Twitter slash X. Let's put it on Discord. Let's put it on Reddit. Let's put it on LinkedIn. Let's put it on Facebook. Let's put it in every outlet. Let's start to then feed it into the mainline media. So now I've got social media disinformation. I've got it being propagated out because we've seen that sometimes in an effort to get information out as quickly as possible, people are not checking the sources as adequately as they should, right? And that's just the start of it. You and I talked about a year ago about this ability to use deep fakes. Mm-hmm. So imagine what's going to happen with a deep fake. Right. Take a right. I can take your video. I can take your voice. I only, I think it's I only need two minutes. I'll look it up, but there's Valley, V-A-L-L-E, is a, is a language model that can take snippets of your voice, just a couple of seconds of your voice, because it's been so well-trained with different emotions and phonies. I can have you reading a story to, you know, a storybook to my kids if I wanted to by Carolyn Ford. What can we do in the media with that? Remember, we used to need to, um, we thought that anything that we read was correct, and we realized that we didn't. It wasn't if we read it, we had to hear it. And then we realized, right, Watergate, other things that what we hear may not always be adequate. Now, what I can think? actually fake if I'm even looking at the camera. NVIDIA has, a, as an, has an eye balancing algorithm that I can look away and it'll still look like I'm it will. It Are will you doing it- that to me right now? Because that's not cool, Trace. No, I don't have, I, no, I don't do that. No, you see my eyes going all over the place. You see me looking down at my papers, but I point that out because all of these amazing capabilities exist to get after those deep fakes. Yeah. So imagine being able, being able to create personas. One of the most followed people on TikTok and Instagram is actually a bot, not even a human. I'll have really? to look up the name for it. Yeah, I'll have to look up the name for you. I went and checked it out recently. Oh, Somebody yeah. sent it to me and I was like, no. And what? why? Because of how sensational the information from it? Uh, no, it's just interesting. It's just trendy, trendy informational. It's a it's a young, but right right between Gen Z and the, and the young millennials. It's right in that age category. Huh. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, just so much that we can do with AI. And that's just using it to generate, right? Just to push stuff out. I'm not even talking about the fact that I can ask it. I can ask chat GPT or worse, I could go to worm GPT, which is chat GPT with all of the guardrails removed. It's a real thing. It's out there. It's not illegal to use. It's the bad guys are using it and the good guys are using it. But I can say to any of these tools, I can ask it to create a social media campaign and give it all the parameters of all that I want to do. So I don't even have to figure out how to do a social media campaign because I just need to ask and it'll do it for me. So yeah, our brains should be exploding. We now need to stop um, 
used to be listen, right? You could read it, you could listen to it, you could see it. I believe we're going to see a time in the not too distant future where we're going to actually need to be, you know, the old school stumping, right? You know that term? We're going to have to actually go to the local green, to the local park, to the local. We're going to have to go to the Coliseum. We're going to have to go places where we hear the human live for us to believe that it's real. Yeah, no. Is that I, for spooky dookie? I was talking to my friends about this and they're like, well, what's what's the solution? Like, how do we know if it's real or not? And I'm like, you go meet them in a room in real life. That's how you know. Exactly. The problem is it doesn't scale. Um, it, I, Does it or doesn't it? If you, and I'm, I am giving some of my own true personal opinion, our politics have gotten so focused at the presidential level only mm-hmm. that it's it's red versus blue. We've ignored all other parties. We just say, if you're not one of those two, you're somehow in this big club of independent, which is everything from communist to libertarian, like That's in the true. other party. Yeah. Imagine if we brought it back home. I can go to my local borough council. I can go listen to my local politicians. My local politicians have more impact on my life day in and day out than anybody at the federal level. Imagine if we started to pay attention there. And then we maybe we we do have the state governor or the state electors, you know, actually canvassing the state. How crazy is that? That we get them out of Washington, yeah. have them do their jobs back home. It's true that maybe, maybe asking the president to be available to everybody is not viable. But do you really think it's so unrealistic that we shouldn't try? No. And when I say it doesn't scale, I I still believe there's some truth to that. But more truth for me is, I'll just say it out loud, I'm not going to go. That's that's all of us. That's what I think too. I think I'm a really good micro study of all of us. (laughs) Well, I am fat and lazy. We had the conversation. What's the point where I would go out of my house? Now, where where I go to vote, I walk four blocks. I walk four blocks to vote. Um, I live in a tiny little borough where my my city hall is a borough hall and it's blocks over. (laughs) So I have accesses that other people probably don't have. And still, it's easy to get lazy. Um, At what point will people be less willing to just consume what's coming at them? I think one of the things that scares me is just... We're talking about sources of disinformation. How do we help to have the the whole population somehow wake up? Mm. Like, like don't don't just Instagram your evening away. Mm-hmm. No offense to Instagram. Don't TikTok your days away. How do we get people to have more engaging real time conversation? Right? How do yeah. we how do we do that? That's what I think is going to be important. I agree. I agree. And I'm going to move us to the next topic. So staying with the theme of AI here, Mm -hmm. um, where are we going with generative in our agencies? So I've actually heard that some agencies aren't even going to allow it. But Katie Craig reported on, and I mentioned it in the intro, uh, Spy GPT. Yeah, Spy GPT. So the CIA is going to in- introduce this tool. Is it really generative AI like chat GPT? What, I mean, what is it? Well, so we've got to look at 
I, I refer to the sexy trifecta. There's AI that we've known about for a while. There's ML. And their generative AI is a little bit different because it, it takes from a large corpus and it generates net new. So if you're not familiar, the way that these langu- large language models, these chat GPTs work is that they have calculated mathematical probabilities that words appear with each other. And we're not talking about a simple like um, a star chart with like one connection. We're talking about hundreds whenever they talk about all these vectors and all these embeddings and these other things. It, it truly does take all of that information and reorganize it and spit it back out, which is a little bit than some of the predictive things that other analytics can do. So when we talk about the government using AI, the government using ML, and the government using generative AI, kind of have to delineate which one we're talking about right now. Because they've been using AI for a long time. They've been using machine learning for a long time. They use it in their help centers, right? You get online and you're talking to a chat bot. That, that little assistant that pops up and asks you for your information is, is generally not a human. It's generally automated. technologies that have AI embedded in them. Right, and so right. That's and that's why I'm curious. Is this thing that the CIA is planning to introduce? Is it really generative AI? It as they have spoken about it, as they have written about it, um, the tool is it's being spoken about with a lot of parallels to Chat GPT, um, and it's kind of a leap uh, forward in how the intelligence agencies process the vast amount of open source. I'm going to use the term open source data, all the data that's out there. Now, if you think back over events that have happened in time, if you think way back to 9-11, there were reports that we we were not able to comb through all of the surveillance information that we had rapidly enough to get far enough ahead, right, on these trajectories. This kind of technology allows us to start to do that. Uh, it in the major function of a tool that the CIO put together is going to be to interpret those massive corpuses. Mm-hmm. Then they can start to ask questions of it. But you know, think about uh, person personal information, uh, your location information. It would gather help them when they are gathering intelligence, right? It'll help yeah. them national makes- security efforts, but. It also makes us nervous, right? Well, it makes me think, but and it makes me think about the Boston Marathon bombing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they found those guys really through crowdsourcing, right? Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. and I wonder, I don't know. Well, I imagine how much quickly, how much more quickly it could have happened, or better, or, or better, predictive, right? Predictive. Right. Right. Which, so that's so scary. Now we just went minority report on us, but we yes, did, we did, we did. Because if all that data had been correlated where he bought the, like they knew all these things mm-hmm. where the backpack was bought, where it was left, all of that. And if they were watching it just, oh my gosh, it's so scary. It, it's, you and I have talked about this before and it's important for us to realize that this is an amazing and terrifying technology in the same breath. We can't go all in without knowing that going all in could go bad. And so this is is unprecedented. Unprecedented. When you think about the number of very important scientists, data scientists, all of those who are out there in, in tech, they're all saying, Sam Altman is saying, this could be, this could be really dangerous. 
Uh, and it's not just the government saying, well, we have to regulate cell phones. No, 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 no. When these folks say that unbridled, it could have the potential to destroy humanity. I don't know exactly what that means, but even the little things that we're thinking about right now um, should, should scare us all. Bill Gates just wrote a really great piece. He posted it on LinkedIn. Uh, and what he talks about is the future. So in the past, we've had these little bots and bots can only kind of do what you tell them to do. They're not overly smart, but they were smarter. Like he brings up, you remember Clippy back in the day that drove us crazy with Microsoft yes. Word? And Well, it was a bot. Yeah. What, what Gates talks about there is the future of when we have agents and an agent is essentially your um, AI helper, your AI smart, your, all, of the, all of those characteristics tied together. And if you want your life to be consistently and continually easier on the mundane things, you will delegate more and more to your agent, meaning that you'll allow your agent, your agent, to have more and more and more information about you. Yeah, we start outsourcing our brains though, Trace. We do, we do. But at first, might it be nice if I could just, um, instead of ask Siri or ask Alexa, if I could just ask my ask my agent, I'll just call my agent Race, Race Bannon. That's a, <laughs> oh that, my by gosh, the way. you did not. Yes, I did. I just made, <laughs> I just made that reference. I love that you just referenced that. Oh, I hope our, some of, at least some of our listeners got that one. Race, race Bannon, I love it. <laughs> so when I ask Race uh, to come up with a, uh, a vacation agenda, uh, and I'm thinking about this one particular area, by allowing it to be plugged into all of my purchase data, all all of all your own my personal per preferences. All my personal yeah. preferences. It yeah, sees yeah. everything that I buy, everything that I eat. It monitors my Fitbit or whatever, mm -hmm. or my Apple Watch. So it knows all of those things. It knows I want to go for hikes. It knows I want to do. I don't have to answer any questions. Right. It's like I'm asking my husband. Do you know what? I want that just to curate my music list. Yes. Like, give me the perfect music for right now. Mm -hmm. Know what my mood is. What should mm -hmm. my music be? Right. So I know how much are we willing to give away though? Right. Um, and my son is, is the opposite side of this. My son is a, he's a, he's a, uh, an artist. He's a furniture designer uh, and works with his hands. He's tech adjacent, knows how, knows how to write software. And he's like, now I'm, uh, I, I apologize. I'm going to be part of the coup de resistance. I will not. Uh, it'll have to be tough for me. I will have to read books made of paper at some point. <laughs> um, I feel like your son and my son must be talking because my son's the same way. He's like, mom, you got to stop. Don't use any of this. I mean, he's very uh, anti actually. Well, um, I think there's some beauty to it, but think about some of the responsibilities. And this is where the executive order came out recently. Mm -hmm. um, I think it came out on the 30th of October. It we did come talked out about on the it in like the, the end of September, but they're encouraging, the government is encouraging us they know that we need to get after AI capabilities and the government sector has to have this. Um, we have to have defense, the intelligence agencies, they all need to have technological superiority. So we have no choice. You need to hear this. We have no choice, but to compete from the government and the defense and the intelligence perspective, we don't have a choice because everybody else is doing the same thing. That's right. We, so we have, have to, Embrace it on some level, even if it's to shut it out. 
mm-hmm. that's the choice. I mean, mm-hmm. and shut it out is the wrong term because that it's not possible. Um, I guess we can fishbowl ourselves in Montana. I'm, I'm not sure, but we're we're going to have to look after, you know, cybersecurity is part of that executive order too. Yeah. Uh, and making sure that we are paying attention to data privacy. I think that the EU uh, is probably the strongest, uh, you know, advocates for data privacy for mm-hmm. the individuals. Mm-hmm. A little bit stronger than the U.S., a little bit, uh, ban an opinion, not an opinion of anybody else. Um, but that executive order also got off your ethical and responsible use. So, right. hey, we need to compete against the enemies. We have to have technological superiority. We also have to make sure we're looking against cybersecurity threats. We have to make sure they're not coming after Carolyn's data, my data, government data. We have to think about biases. I hate talking about bias. I know. You, you know the bias, though, in software? Bias in these models doesn't just mean like a gender bias, like those are the easy biases, right? Gender, race, age, those are easy biases. It's more difficult when you get after other biases, other types of biases that are brought up because of who is creating the corpus of data. So, you know, there are language models that are biased for the U.S. Right. right? Because it's being trained by U.S. data, right. So there are all kinds of ideological, right? But we don't even know biased. (laughs) Right, right. And so, so it's the the term bias is getting all mucky mucky too because it says there 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 are always going to be biases. But how do we make sure that those biases are in check with the public interest and with democratic, not demit, not not the Democratic Party, but with the overall democratic values of our republic, right? So there's a lot in the in the executive order that came out. And I think it's a pretty good job, all kinds of standards that are put in there, um, privacy protections, equity, and, right, and civil rights around uh, how AI is used. I mean, it's pretty impressive. I, I was, I have not been super excited on many of the memorandums that have come out from the government around tech. I'm a big fan of CISA, and I actually kind of like the executive order that just came out in October. It's the step in the right direction. I, you know, I've heard the same things and the the points I have not read the 111 pages. Um, but my friends like you, I, who I trust, oh, here we go. See, I'm outsourcing my brain, but I'm a fan of it too, based on what I know from my friends like you. <laughs> Make sure you, but that's an important piece. Like you could take it. You can actually now chat GPT has been updated. So you can provide it with a, a PDF or a URL. You can say, read this document to me. Right. That's new, right? Just in the last few weeks. Oh, good so, point. So you don't have to read 113 pages. You can have it summarized for you. But then the important part is you need to have these conversations. We right. We need to have with these somebody conversations. I, trust I can see you well, and we're having the conversation, even though we're hundreds of miles apart. Yeah. And I... If I take that PDF and I feed it into ChatGPT and I say summarize it for me, I'm getting biases. It's choosing what points to call out for me. Let's shift gears and close out today's conversation with something that you talked about on 505. And you've mentioned before that you're a big fan of CISA. And um Again, admittedly, I am too because of friends like you. And, and Alan 
and, and Alan. Well, and I, I mean, a lot of um, leaders that I've talked to and really respect continually bring up CISA and the good work the CIS is doing. Mm-hmm. So you just talked about on 505, uh, CISA's cybersecurity workbook, which is a comprehensive guide for planning and implementing effective security measures. Talk to us about the workbook and what's so great about it. Summarize it for me, chat trace. Yeah, trace. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I, I should be. I need to make those little typing sounds that Chat GPT <laughs> makes when it's when it's on your phone. It uses the the haptics. Um, so it it goes into a number of different areas, key components, providing this really crucial information, and it's consumable by individuals. Individual can read it and understand it. Organizations. That's one of the things they're democratizing. It's such a broad approach to this. It's not a super deep dive that only the scientist weenies locked in the top secret labs can understand. It you know talks you through assessing, assessing potential cyber risk, right? How do you do that? It's a foundational step. If you're going to have a security guns, walks you through leading practices. How do you plan for incidents response? Like bad things are going to happen. How do you get after that? So it provides all of this really good information. Um, It emphasizes training. One of the first times, one of the first government organizations that really pounds home that you've got to have this continuous learning going on. So it really is holistic. And CISA does this so well. They provide you with the what and the why, and they Mm. jumpstart you with some of the process pieces, but you have to figure out the nitty gritty how for yourself. So that's one of why I'm one of the fans of CISA is they're not trying to mash a solution against you that isn't going to fit with your context, with what you're working on. It gives Um, you some guidelines, some framework, mm -hmm. and then you got to figure out what works for you. Exactly. Exactly. Or you Um, can just ask chat GPT. You could, you could, or you could ask Bard, or you could ask perplexity.ai or any of them, 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 I forget what there were like three that were announced this weekend. So yeah, you pick, pick your favorite, uh, whatever your whatever your generative muse is. Yes. Um, but, you know, they went with a wide audience. And I think that that was really important. Instead of purely technical, there's an inclusivity that has to happen with cybersecurity. It's not just an IT professional's concern in this mm. interconnected world. It's everybody. It's, it's everybody. Absolutely. Everybody needs to be into cybersecurity. Even if you are a company of one. Mm-hmm. You need to be concerned. Um, if you are a mother, mm-hmm. if you, I mean, everybody, every citizen. If you're a human. Yes. We're in this every- together. There you go. If you're a human. Yes. There we um, go. See, that, that's my bias, Trace, because I'm a mother. <laughs> so that's immediately yes. where, you know, yep. my priority yep. goes. Well, I think you're right. And it gets after you know, another thing the technique that they've been using with this is they're kind of demystifying it they're mm. making all of the content accessible so you don't have to be the uber tech weenie to understand it you can, it's very approachable and we need that right now we need that public understanding building this culture of security for everybody by everybody for everybody it becomes a shared thing it should be something that we're teaching our children from the early as soon as they are old enough to touch a device those little ones who are so adept with their teeny tiny little fingers on the iPhones or the mini iPad minis, we should be teaching them security at that point. Um, and all of the guidance that they provide is is adaptable. So I'm, you know, I look at it from uh, it, instead of being one size fits all, they did a lot of uh, smart things 
from an architectural perspective, like I like those trade-off uh, discussions. It's not overly specialized, but it's specialized enough. It allows you to take it further with what you need to be. Um, there's uh, a lot of emphasis on compliance, but not an overemphasis on because what's compliance going to be these days? Tell me what compliance is today, and I'll I'll argue with you tomorrow that it'll be something slightly different. Right. So I think it was I think it was really valuable, um, and I wrote about it from that perspective because I was really excited. I was really excited <laughs> when something comes out that we can all get after, uh, and I can simply share in two minutes or three minutes, and that's what. 505 is is all about. There's a global pool of journalists and there are over 20 of us uh, and we, we're all volunteers. Uh, and at least once a week, every vol- every one of the journalists, but some are our daily uh, subscribers or I'm sorry, daily writers. Uh, it comes out Monday through Friday at 505 Eastern. Uh, and it is meant to be the kind of the whack-a-mole. What do you need to know? It's a potluck. Yeah, uh, I love it. Yeah. Because it's, it's 10 minutes. Like mm-hmm. we don't say 10 minutes and then go an hour. It's really 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. It gives, it's just that headline hit. And that's for this episode, you know, I went back and I said, all right, Trace, I want you to unpack these things over the mm-hmm. last couple of weeks and, and even month. I want to talk more about this. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I'm encouraging our listeners to just like you, um, subscribe to that. Ten minutes, you get your news. What's important? What what matters? Um, in it's really focused on cybersecurity, open source, and cybersecurity. Okay. So, from my perspective, I'll always I'm an architect, so I'm always going to come at it from a software architecture and engineering perspective. Um, there are folks like you know Chris Hughes, um, Katie yeah. Craig, who are cyber pros. Um, Shannon Leitz, the woman who came up with the term DevSecOps and wrote the DevSecOps manifesto, is one of those folks. Um, Derek Weeks, right? He comes yes. at it from a very different perspective. So you've got a lot of really interesting, different voices. Olympio Pop. Um, from uh, Romania, uh, and he has a very different perspective on things. And we often go back and forth about the differences between the EU and the US. So it gives a broad perspective, but each person is trying to provide um, reporting out on a, on a news item from our perspectives. So it's not regurgitating what somebody else has said. Like you can, you can get a news feed. I'm trying to give the additional information. Why does this matter to you? And that's what all the journalists do is they provide you a little bit more on why it matters. And then we provide other resources for you to go and get after. Right. And that's what we're going to keep doing on So What? We're going to keep following 505 and unpack some of those stories that um, I either I don't understand or I just find the most interesting. <laughs> so thanks, Trace. Great conversation. Thank you, listeners. Smash that like button. Share this episode. We'll talk to you next time on So What? Thanks for joining Tech Transforms, sponsored by Dynatrace. For more Tech Transforms, follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram.